So I finally made my return to a movie theater for the first time since before COVID this weekend. Any wow, guesses? congratulations. What? what did you watch? <laughs> Super Mario Brothers movie. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Like I, I don't have any I, interest in watching it. That's just because I didn't I didn't play a lot of Super Mario growing up. I mean, maybe a little bit like at friends' house, but I wasn't into it like other people. Yeah, so I I think Nintendo for me in general, like I was always more of a Pokemon fan than a Mario fan. But I, I like played enough Mario games, most of the sports games, a little bit of Super Mario Sunshine and you know, a handful of others, but Enough to the point where I was like, okay, I kept hearing a lot of good things about this movie. It was like 97% Google users, audience scores, whatever. So I was like, I want to check this out. I have a lot of friends who are also big, you know, Nintendo fans, like bigger than me by, uh, for sure. So I got a group of us together to go. I was like, you know what? I feel like there's a lot of movies that I said I should see in theaters that I didn't see. So let's just make this one be the one. It was only 92 minutes runtime. So I was like, okay, that's an easy one to go to the theaters and be able to just sit through it. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great movie. Very funny. Um, a lot of people say like nostalgia. For me, it, it feels like there's a little bit of nostalgia, but I also still have like enough mario stuff in my life like i'll still play the occasional mario kart or mario soccer or baseball or whatever that it's not like i haven't consumed mario in like you know a decade or so like others that maybe are using that term but yeah i really enjoyed it glad i saw it we'll see if i do start going to the movies again i assume it's not going to be another four years since my last one but that was my next question is that does that mean you're going to go to more movies or or does it does it have to be the perfect situation for you to go it probably has to be the perfect situation in a lot of ways like it, it was one thing even though it was a short movie so i was like let me have the full movie experience let's get some popcorn let's get a soda i got a medium mountain dew and regal or really any theater it's this big old cup of mountain dew and i was like it halfway through the movie i was like tim i wish i could pause this and go to the bathroom but i don't want to miss anything it's a short movie i'll stick it out i was struggling by the end i did make it through both end credit scenes because there were two of them uh, so I, I was able to stick it out but i was like this is not something i missed about going to the movies so yeah i, I typically don't get a drink when i go to the movies I, it's usually popcorn or some sort of candy yeah, I mean, it's a smart way to do it. I need something to wash down food was, is really the way that I look at it. And I was like, I'm in a movie, like I'm going to treat it like I did back in the day as a kid when I did somewhat regularly go to movies. But um, I will say as much as I love the movie, one of the the funniest experiences, something that I would only get from seeing the Mario movie in theaters was before the movie, they showed the preview to the new Barbie movie. Have you seen like the preview for it? Uh, it doesn't have Margot Robbie... Yeah, Robbie, she's however he pronounced yeah, her last Mario name. Robbie, yeah, Ryan Gosling is in it. So I've seen, I think I've seen a preview once or twice, but I don't remember too much of it. What about it? So it it ends with a scene of like Ryan Gosling's Ken and then another Ken going back and forth. Like they're at the beach, they're saying just talking about how they're gonna beach each other off, which I assume just means in their context is we're gonna have a better beach day than you or whatever. But obviously, like, this is kind of in there to say, hey, like, there's some innuendo, whatever. Yeah, like, this that sounded just, like, like a, a little, little bit innuendo movie. there. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, <laughs> when this happened, like, after the preview ended, 
we heard some like little kid in the crowd say, mom, what does that mean? What does beat you <laughs> off mean? My friends and I just started dying laughing when we heard this. We're like, oh, what's going to come next? You're going to explain it. I didn't hear anything beyond that. But I was like, okay, this, that alone was enough reason to go see the movie. And then I ended up loving the movie. It was great. I was laughing the whole time. But that's like an experience you only get in theaters. I may, I may have told you this before, but when I was much, much younger, like the early 2000s, uh, during baseball season, when, uh, you know, during that era, there were a lot of power hitters, a lot of home run hitters, and yeah, a lot of it had uh, to do with steroids. And I remember uh, a Rafael Palmero commercial where he was doing Viagra, a Viagra commercial, oh. <laughs> and it showed him hitting a home run. And I asked my uh, dad, what is Viagra? And my dad's yeah. like, oh, it's it's a it's a vitamin. <laughs> it's like, I, it was a good answer. Yeah, no, <laughs> good, it's, I mean, on that's, the spot, like, hey, what's yeah. Viagra? I just figured it was something to help you with, like hitting it's, home runs. That is or like steroids, yes, yeah, something like that, but not not for uh, not for yeah. sexual performance. No, <laughs> uh, oh, this I feel like so many baseball players are like advertising stuff like that because you got um, what's his name, the Frank Thomas. He does like one of those, right, like, Frank Thomas from the commercials. Yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, that, it, it's so weird when Frank Thomas like he'll he'll tell he'll tell the the dude like hey hey by the way sh- she'll like it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like he yeah. wants to be in a threesome with the couple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Those those are like interesting ones. See, and I like only half watch them, and like I'm not even like realizing what it is I'm like watching because it's a commercial that doesn't apply to me in the most part. And then I'm like, wait a second, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, I really bring that up because I saw this on Saturday afternoon. I made my whole plans around seeing a movie, going to dinner, and then hanging out afterwards and didn't really think about the consequences of a Celtics playing in the playoffs on Saturday afternoon. So I end up watching the Morrow movie instead of the majority of the Celtics game. But I saw they're up 30 at halftime in the theaters. They ended up winning, I think, by 13 in the end. So... I felt okay with that decision, and I think that's kind of a good transition to talking about the NBA playoffs. We do want to touch on all of the games, but I think it makes sense to start off with this one. Celtics 112, Hawks 99. A week ago, we were saying that, well, we'd probably rather face the Hawks than the Heat because the the Hawks feel like a better matchup, and Hawks played great in the play-in game, but I think that this game here was kind of a reminder that, okay, unless Atlanta is like perfect, Trey Young goes off, Clint Capella is a monster on the boards, whatever, Celtics should make quick work of this team. I would give the Hawks a chance to win a game maybe, but nothing more than that. This series is a complete waste of time. <laughs> it's just, it's just uh-huh. I'm, I'm so glad they got the Hawks instead of the Heat because uh, I feel like the Heat, even though the Celtics should Beat you know, it, they did beat them last year, but it took seven games. Took literally the last second to beat them. Uh, it would be a much tougher series versus Miami than it would be versus Atlanta. Like, and as we saw in the first half of this game, yeah, they were up by thirty, and the Celtics did let them back in the game a little bit because, as great as the Celtics are, one thing they struggle with is closing out games and not playing the full forty-eight minutes to, you know, max effort and. They get too comfortable at times, but, uh, you know, in a series like this, that doesn't worry me. It, yeah, like you said, for them, for Atlanta to win a game, it, it, it would take, yeah, it would take a, a great performance by Trey Young. And they yeah, do, like 40 they have plus points probably. Yeah, like they have a good backcourt and they're good on the offensive glass, but it's not a lot to like about Atlanta in terms of 
in terms of this matchup. No, and I, I completely agree with that. Like Atlanta, they're a really good offensive team. Normally, this is the first time they didn't score 100 points in a game since December 7th. They're only three times all year that they didn't hit triple digits. So I think they're going to in future games. But even then, the Celtics are great on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. It just feels like you're going to see a lot of games like this one I do think that Atlanta can maybe steal game three like you know that'd be the kind of game that they could come back to Atlanta maybe you know Trey Young goes off and like like I said all these other things go great you know and then one who knows what Jays happens with Jalen Brown and his stitches yeah do I think they, that's do they give him a rest day mm-hmm. that is going to be a concern to watch not just in the series but long term throughout the playoffs but this would be the series to do it to give him a rest, whether it's game two or game three, whatever. Like if 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 that if if that's a concern, a long term concern, which I think it could be, then why not rest him for a game? Yeah, and I think especially I agree, if they go up like, this is the time to do it. Yeah, so or three. Um, he is also from Atlanta, so I feel like he'll have like a little bit of an extra reason to want to you know play in front of his family, his his hometown, but. He still had a double-double in this game. Jason Tatum also had a double-double. It, it felt like a really good scenario, like good formula for the Celtics to to come out, not just win this game, but win emphatically. And you know, couple, yeah. uh, Look, Tatum and Brown are the obvious two superstars. They're always going to, maybe not always, but they're going to show up for the most part on the, on the stat sheet. But a couple of takeaways I have, like besides those two, uh, I think, Derek White has been awesome all year, and I would have yep. said, well, "How come he's not the running for six player of the year?" It's like, oh, it's because he actually starts. He, a he lot of starts games. regularly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So that's why I remember, Malcolm Brogdon instead. Yeah, so it's probably gonna be Brogdon instead. Uh, and, and so he's been great this year. Definitely improved from last season, but right, you know, rightfully so. Like last year, he was just getting into, uh, you know, just getting into Boston, and and it was a you know, sort of an adjustment for him last year, but now that he's got a full year under his belt with Boston, he's definitely fitting in well with the, with the Celtics. But yeah, the definitely biggest, worth the first round pick they gave up. Yeah, I was definitely for that trade. Uh, what I really loved was though was Robert Williams. Yep, I agree. I was him at full say. health. If if he's at full health, that the Celtics are absolutely dangerous, uh, yep. especially on the defensive side of the ball because. Yes, I know Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year last year, but if Robert Williams was at full health and played more games last year, I would have, I would, I would have said he should have won uh, because he's the one that really makes their defense uh, the way it is uh, if if he's at full health. Yeah, I mean the defensive and rebounding game that's going to be the big impact. But on offense, he was six or six on the floor, so yeah, I think that's like that's another it. thing. Just being able to contribute on both sides gives them a lot of lineup combinations. Whether it's two big men with him and Al Horford, or you know one of them playing the middle and smaller lineups. But yeah, I uh, definitely hope that Williams can stay healthy, and you know we'll, we'll see. It feels like a lot to ask with him. That's always a concern there, but when he is healthy, he's definitely a huge difference maker for this team. He wasn't healthy last year, and he played a lot more than I expected. There were some games that he had to take off, or there were some mm-hmm. games where he really did not look good, especially in that Miami series last year. But for the most part, he played through a pretty serious injury. So that yeah, gives and some I think conf- having Malcolm Brogdon gives them more possibilities because then you can shift more easily to lineups with Brown and Tatum at the forward spots with you know, your three-guard rotation with Brogdon, Smart, and White. Even Sam Hauser being able to have him off the bench. No, like Sam Hauser, has... like he's not great, but he 
Yeah, he didn't score in this one, but every now and then he'll just like go off and have like a few threes, like big spark off the bench. Yeah, exactly. He he's definitely more of a spark than I realize. <laughs> uh-huh. So Grant Williams didn't play a single minute though. No, uh, no, I think his time in Boston if, is almost over now. I'm curious. Yeah, I'd imagine it's probably his last year, but I'm curious if yeah, they they're they want to play him less or if they're saving him for defensive matchups in the future, whether if it's against Philly or Milwaukee, uh, not to go too far ahead, but but I, I'm curious if, if they're saving him or if, if he really is just being worked out of the rotation. Yeah, I, I feel like it's more of the latter. I'm sure we'll see him at some point in the playoffs, if nothing else than just like at the end of a blowout. But I do think that, you know, he had that, what, 20-something point Yeah, that, that game seven last game seven. year uh, was awesome, but... yeah. Uh, he did not. He didn't really do anything after that. So no, it probably is like, more of the latter. But I'm just curious to uh-huh. see how that plays out. He was very disappointing this season, and you know, I, I can't imagine his playoffs. Like if he has high moments, he'll have even more low moments. So yeah. What was funny is that on Twitter there was a poll that said, uh, you know, like the thing where it's like I'm him, and, mm-hmm. and someone, oh yes, someone uh, had a thing I where it's that. like who, what is the most anti I'm him moment and then Grant Williams replied to it saying uh I'll make both <laughs> because because of the game you remember that uh he said he'd make both free throws and he missed both free yes, throws. Yes, he uh, missed both. He was against game. the Cavs, yep, and the Celtics <laughs> end up losing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I I appreciate that response. So. Yeah, I did as well. All right, so let's move on. Sixers Nets and we didn't really spend a whole lot of time talking about this series on last week's episode it feels like this was one going into it that all right philly we know who they are they have their limitations but they still find a way to at least beat teams in the first round when they're the better team and they win 121 to 101 in game one and it just feels like okay this would be another one of those series where at least early on they're going to give their fans hope that maybe this is year they finally go on a run yeah this is another series where it's kind of a waste of time where yeah, I don't like Philly. I, I'm never high on them in terms of their championship aspirations. But for this round, like, yeah, I definitely would take them over Brooklyn, especially since they, they have a former Brooklyn player on the Sixers. And, you know, that trade has not worked out at all uh, for the Nets uh, with no. Ben Simmons not even <laughs> not playing. playing. And yep. it's really just Mikel Bridges and I, I don't mean, I don't even know who else really. I mean, it's, it's really just him and – he's really their only great borderline great player on their team yeah he's been awesome for them he's he's been a revelation coming over from phoenix you know again i the suns until that completely fails them like they're still going to be the winners of that trade but bridges is a solid piece that got back to brooklyn really like the whole commentary on that trade and how that played out was they're not in as bad shape as they were with like the Celtics trade. They still have some pieces at least be relevant, be a playoff contender. We'll see where they go from here in terms of being able to get back to the top. But yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, the guy that used to be a net, James Harden, 23 points, 13 assists in this one. Like every now and then he'll give you those moments in the playoffs. You're like, all right, he's over those playoff woes. But then you'll end up seeing like a game six against Miami last year where he doesn't step foot inside the three point line and the 60 season Goes to an unceremonious finish. So, yeah, just waiting really, for that it's to really happen. More of a really, anti-Harden thing than an anti-Embiid thing for me. Because Embiid has been awesome this year, likely going to win the MVP award. 
And but but and Harden he can put up the numbers, but yeah, in the playoffs he's the one that I'm that I always expect for him to fail at some point. And but when it comes to this series, it they shouldn't have any issues. We'll talk about other series that are more intriguing, but these like the first two that we were talking about, these kind of series make me wish that the NBA would fix their playoff format and make it like a best of five in the first round or they used to g- do g- that. Yeah. Give two teams a bye or it's just something. I, I I'm just thinking out loud, but I, I, yeah, they're definitely not going to shrink the playoff field after expanding it, but they, they could potentially go back. See, I, to best I, of I didn't five. mind that I don't they, think they would expanded it because that would give more teams an effort to try and compete for a playoff spot. But then once, once it's down to the, you know, the, the final 16, eight on each side, you know which ones are kind of like, all right, like these teams have no chance. Um, and, and yeah, like the Nets and the Hawks, like I don't think either of them have a chance. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I think, yeah, I love the playing tournament from the perspective of more teams have a shot. But then when you see what happened this year, not even just Dallas giving up on any chance, but like both Utah and Portland a couple weeks earlier decided to punt on any chances they had of getting into the playing tournament. And I don't know how much of that is this year and like how like stacked the lottery looks with a lot of potential generational players, especially Victor Wamanyama could be like the best player in NBA history. So uh, I think it, it gives teams more incentive to not try for the playing tournament, but that is going to be a, a question is like our teams be like, is it worth it to get into this tournament to maybe have a shot to make the top eight and then just lose in the first round anyway. Exactly. So that is, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Now. I mean, w- one of the reasons why I love college basketball so much is because of big upsets. You could see, even if it's a total mismatch, like a, you know, one verse 16 or two verse 15, we we've seen that multiple times now in the past few years, a 15 or 16 seed win. And like on any given day, like the elite team could just, have a bad game and and lose. I don't want to say, I don't want to say the NBA should turn into college basketball and make it a one single elimination. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I don't want that. I just think that you know, making seven game series for teams, I mean <laughs> like yeah, they can pull off an upset like the underdogs, but you still expect the you know, the team that's favored for the most part most of the time to win. I don't know. Yeah, and historically you don't see a whole lot of 7 and 8 seeds win. It is pretty rare when it does happen. So uh, I, I would think best if I would make it slightly more likely, you know, just one less game that a team has to win. But at the same time, we could also just make some of these series over quicker where it's like, all right, do we really need a fourth game to see, see if this team's going to win? So uh, anyway, I guess like we'll move on to the next one here and Cavs Knicks. And I think that, you know, we're just talking about some of those series feeling like a waste of time. Like, you know, one team is so clearly better than the other. I think this one, if I had to look through all eight of these series, this series to me is the one that is the least likely to end in a sweep. It could be the most entertaining series in terms of being able to go the distance, but it also doesn't have a whole lot of intrigue for me. Like beyond the fact that it's like the Knicks and New York and Madison square garden and whatever, there's not a whole lot of excitement going in this one. And, and, you know, maybe one of these teams could find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I'm just looking at this series like, all right, this is just a fun first-round series that really doesn't have a whole lot of championship impact. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. I, I mean, I like I like Cleveland. I still like Cleveland. I know they <laughs> didn't win, but uh, I, I still think that they'll be the ones that 
you know, win this series. And yeah, I think it'll be, it's a fun first round matchup and it won't be a complete waste of time. Like the other two series that we mentioned already. I, Cause I, I, I also expect Cleveland to come back and, and make it a longer series, six or seven game series. But yeah, at the same time, like no matter who wins, do you really expect them to you know, make a big run? Maybe like you said, the East finals, just given what's happening in the Miami uh, Milwaukee series, but Nothing, nothing beyond that. No, and I, I think Cleveland was like always one of those teams that, like, entering the season, it's like, all right, maybe they can take the next step after acquiring Donovan Mitchell, and now like entering the playoffs, like, okay, maybe they can be the surprise team that takes out Milwaukee and Boston or Philly to make the finals, but they're they're also not guaranteed to even survive New York in this series, especially after going down one zero at home. Uh, it looked like they were down the whole game. It looked like they were going to come back because. I think they won on an 11-0 run when they were down 10, but then next thing you know, New York was able to turn things around and end up stealing this game from them. So, yeah, I mean, this series, I think it's going to be intriguing. I think there's going to be some highlights. It's going to be one to watch. Uh, You know, you have some noteworthy players on both sides, of course, Mitchell and Cleveland, but uh, even Evan Mobley is someone who's, like, starting to become, like, a prominent name in the NBA. Darius Garland just got a huge contract extension. Uh, you know, he got one of those, like, max deals for uh, rookies. And then, you know, guys like Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, RJ yeah, Barrett. Yeah, both, like, there are names in this yeah, series. Both, but both but... teams have names, and both both teams have definitely solid players. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is an all-star caliber player, but both of these teams would need another star at least to yes, I, have a real shot of, of, of competing for her championship. Yeah, um, it is interesting. The Knicks tried to get that extra star in Donovan Mitchell and then they just ended up making a deal and they signed RJ Barrett to a long-term contract instead. Uh, and then he ends up going to Cleveland in this case. And now Cleveland is slightly more relevant, maybe a slightly higher ceiling, but they're still, I agree. They need, they need somebody else, whether that's Garland or Mobley, like those who just, maturing yeah, they, yeah they, next like, up, but garland and mobley are both solid lottery picks they drafted years ago mm-hmm. but like i don't i don't i don't see them like making a championship caliber kind of run no they they definitely could i think like the path is there but probably not this year no so uh, and then the last game on Saturday, shifting to the Western Conference, Sacramento-Golden State. And th- this was a series that I was really excited to see what would happen in this one, really touching upon the whole idea of, okay, now that it's the playoffs, is it time for the Kings to not be like this darling team and the Warriors to go into second gear and, you know, their actual playoff championship team? Sacramento ended up pulling out game one. Very exciting one, 126-123 final. Uh, Seth Curry was awesome in the fourth quarter to, to keep Golden State in this one, but he couldn't hit a shot at the buzzer to send this one overtime. And I think even if Golden State does kind of like say, okay, we lost this one, we need to step it up, and they go on to win the next four games of the series, Kings organization and their fans have to at least feel good that they were able to win one of these games against the defending champ. They were all excited to be back in the building. Yeah, you know, those fans were game. dying for a, a playoff game and a playoff win because yeah. I, I Not, saw some clips of, of uh, uh, fans outside the building. Like, wow, they really do have a fan base. <laughs> they do. Uh, yeah, they always had a fan base there. They just didn't have great ownership, great management, great coaching, like a lot of bad 
with that team. But yeah, they won their first playoff game since 2006, their first playoff appearance since that time. And I think Sacramento has a lot to look forward to. And, you know, they, they showed up in this one. So I think at the very least, we at least know that, okay, Golden State isn't just going to make quick work of this. Yeah. Even though I picked Golden State, I didn't expect, I didn't expect this to be a sweep or anything. Like I, I'll admit, like I'm lower on the Kings than, than consensus, but that doesn't mean like, oh, the Kings suck. Like, <laughs> uh, I think, look, the Warriors have been so bad on the road this year that they were just bound to lose at least one game on the road. Yeah, 11 and 30 I, I, record. 11 and 30 on the road. <laughs> it's not good. Unreal. Uh, you know, look at the ending of that game, too. Uh, you know, Clay, he dishes out to Wiggins. I know he was wide open, but I don't know if I love that play. Cause, I mean, Especially his first game back. He hasn't in played like in like three months. I don't know yeah. if I've. I, I don't know if that was the right play at the end of the game, which is easy to say because he missed. He was but... also one for eight from three in the game. So it's right, not like he too. was like so, on fire and just missing the biggest And, and Clay is one of the best shooters of all time. So I I think, and, and then you have a teammate that's a better shooter. <laughs> yeah. So one stat I hadn't realized was Clay Thompson at three under three pointers this year. He's like only the third player to do it ever in NBA history. I had no idea he had that kind of season. Yeah. I, I saw that the other day too. And I, that's that floored me as well <laughs> that he's been that good from three this year. And yes, he's mm-hmm. obviously an amazing three. Yeah, right. I just didn't know it was that many. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I think it also just speaks to like not irrelevant, but how like the Warriors were not just this team that everyone was constantly talking about all season because you know they were middle of the pack in the West pretty much the whole year. Yeah. Because of their road struggles, so. I still. I. I mean. I, I always overrate the Warriors because, <laughs> yes, like last year, picked them to win it all in the beginning of the year, and it worked out. But there have obviously also been years where I picked them to make a run, and they were like one of the worst teams in the league. And so mm-hmm. so I always overrate them, but I still expect them to win the series. Yeah, I, I do too. Back. I think in the end, like their experience is going to be the difference maker in this. But there's also reason to believe that okay maybe sacramento has something in them to be able to pull this one off and that golden state has their work cut out for them if they're gonna make yeah it looks run yeah the, the kings aren't a total pushover team it's not like the hawks mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and the kings they're great on offense but they're not very good on defense no, so it feels like 126 to 123 that's one of the like, biggest reasons why i have golden uh-huh. state winning is that, yeah i mean that's say- like a standard score for this team so yeah yeah but yeah, I mean it should should be another fun one. They game one Monday night, so we'll see when you're listening to this. Either Sacramento's up two oh, commanding the series going across the bay to Golden State, or you know, the Warriors are in a position where they can take control of this series as they head home. So um shifting to Sunday, say in the Western Conference, Grizzlies Lakers. And I think this is a series that coming into it. Uh, I was surprised that the Grizzlies were favored by the sports books because I figured that that you know just the allure of the Los Angeles Lakers would push them above when it just came to betting. Uh, but it, it was just another one where I was like, I don't really know where this series is going to go. I, we didn't know who the Lakers would be playing when we talked a week ago. It felt like Memphis was inevitable with them winning their first playing game, but we didn't know at the time. And this is one where. The Lakers, after game one, I don't know how sustainable it is, but they look like a team that 
has what it takes to actually go on a run and be as good as their fans. And, you know, a lot of people in the media have been telling us they can be for the past however many years. So kind of like week one overreactions, we're going to yes, go with uh-huh. day one of the playoffs over. Yeah, no, it's, it's very similar. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the easiest overreaction is that, oh, the Lakers are an NBA Finals contender. Yeah, and I guess my biggest overreaction is that Memphis sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, you could look at it both ways. <laughs> Uh, especially if Jaw's going to be out. Uh, yeah, that that hand injury. Um, I just, just took for granted that he was going to play, but he's already saying that he's not sure if he'll be good to go in game two, and that could really derail this team. So you're saying that his shooting hand isn't going to be effective <laughs> on or off the court? No. No, there are a ton of, ton of memes <laughs> about Jaw with his hand. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's certainly something to watch for. The Lakers, I mean, they had your own Anthony Davis injury, and it's like, oh, Davis, he can't feel his arm, and no, it's just a stinger. He ends up coming back, but it's still something to watch. Like, is Davis uh, gonna be able to stay on, healthy? Yeah. Anthony Davis is one of those injury-prone players uh, uh, out there. Yeah, and we know, like, he to me, he's the biggest X factor on this team because when he's not on the court, they're not nearly as high ceiling of a team. If he's so. not on the court, they're a first-round exit. But if he's on the court, they have championship upside. Yeah, I wouldn't absolutely. pick them, but but they definitely have. <laughs> uh-huh. They won it all in the bubble, <laughs> so they definitely have. As long as both LeBron and AD are healthy, they they definitely have some sort of shot to win it all. Yeah, they're always going to be a threat uh, with with those two guys on the court and playing as well as they have, and especially in this one, you got Austin Reeves and Rui Hashimura both lighting it up in yeah, they you know, both, their they, own rights. Yeah, combined, they had uh, fifty two points combined. Yeah, no, awesome performance of those two. The two leading scorers. It's not like LeBron and AD didn't play great. They just had more points than them. And uh, I don't think that they're sustainable. No, I don't think those guys are going for 25 plus every night, but... I don't think their bench... Well, I know Austin Reeves was a starter, but they're they're secondary pieces. I don't think that's sustainable either, but it shows you that it's more than just... It's just... It's more than just LeBron and AD. Like they do have some mm-hmm. secondary pieces that they can rely on. Yeah, and if those guys can play well and they can give them regular performances, whether it's those two specifically or some other players, then that'll make the Lakers a much bigger threat. But it's really just a question of how many of those guys can you rely on on a nightly basis because uh, you know that that's really always been a concern with this team. I know they kind of reshaped their roster at the deadline. They became more serious of a contender, but that's still going to be a question is are we going to see this Lakers team from game one 15 more times? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, w- I'm with you on the overreactions of uh, the Lakers are definitely my choice for this. Year. I mean, I, they were my choice before the series was even – set up uh, but yeah i know you're game, you're always after, anti after one game and... especially if ja moran is already uh-huh. hurt and yeah no, possibly I, out for i i kind of more. agree at this point that it does feel like the lakers are gonna end up pulling out the series and we'll see from there what kind of run they can continue to go on because uh whether it's golden state or sacramento it I could see both of those series like really going either way and then from there who knows if you get to the western conference finals so um back to the east though heat bucks you know we kind of hinted at this one being a a major story here and uh there's definitely a lot of questions after game one of the series the biggest one is what is the health of Giannis Antetokounmpo because if Giannis is it's just a back injury he's able to come back from which I think he will 
we saw in the 2021 playoffs where it looked like he suffered a season-ending injury and he came back like a game later and played amazing the rest of the way. It feels like he's not going to be out, but that is certainly looking like it could be a difference maker in this series. Yeah, they said x-rays are negative. I don't know if he'll play game two. I, I expect him to come back, but he 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 when he got hurt, he, he obviously left the game for a bit, but then he came back and then he still wasn't effective and he couldn't play. Mm-hmm. So that gives me that would give me concern uh, if you know if because Giannis being out obviously the Bucks don't have any shot of I mean maybe I think they could win the series maybe without Giannis maybe I I agree but, I think they could still win the series but but obviously beyond that that's that's <laughs> when it becomes yeah more that's of a, that's when it's a, a question mark yeah. yeah but yeah I mean it, it's one thing to navigate the playoffs without Chris Middleton but without Giannis like this is just not the same basketball uh, that team. crowd was dead once once Giannis was out out of the game like that crowd never got back into it i mean no, no. the bucks weren't ever in really real content i mean no. they, got, they, they, they had made single they had digits like at the end run uh-huh i guess it never felt like they were gonna make uh actually gonna catch up and, and i take thought the lead. i thought in the third quarter when when they were down 14 coming out of a timeout i think they had a 9-0 run to cut it to five but then yeah. they just Actually, they cut it to three. They had an 11 They cut it close, for sure. Yeah, they it, made it a one-possession game. But the next thing you know, Miami just they start they hit scoring a bunch of again. Threes. And they were up 14 going in the fourth anyway. And at that point, I was like, all right, Miami kind of has this. It's I think Milwaukee kind of blew their chance by not being able to tie it up. Um, but yeah, I think three-pointer is, is the biggest reason to be like, this series is far from over. Because as dominant as Miami was in this series, or in this opening game in the series... They don't have Tyler Hero, but they went 15 for 25 from three. Best shooting, three-point shooting performance of the season for them. The Bucs went 11 for 45, the worst of the season for them. So, you know, all things being equal, if three-pointers kind of reverts to where things were in the regular season, that should be enough to push Milwaukee over with or without Giannis. Uh, obviously, he would help a ton for the Bucs and be, uh, you know, a detriment not having him, but... I think that three-pointers, like, it just doesn't feel sustainable. Miami's 27th in the NBA in three-point shooting this year. Yeah, so, Kevin Love had 18.8 rebounds. I, I forgot Kevin Love was even on the Miami. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, uh, well, I, don't know he, that, I don't know how sustainable that is either. Yeah, he was a regular contributor when they first got him, and then he started playing less and less, and then they end up throwing it back out here. And, yeah, he had a, a big game, knocking down a ton of threes in this one. Gabe Vincent was lights out. He had multiple dagger yeah, three-pointers. Yeah, Gabe, Gabe Vincent had, like what we just said, he had multiple threes late in that game where when Milwaukee was trying to make a comeback, Miami just kept making three after three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think that, uh, you know, th- this is a kind of game, I don't necessarily think it tells you the full story of the series, but, you know, the Giannis injury is going to be something to watch for. That could be the difference between Miami winning this series uh, or even Milwaukee just having their ceiling limited to the point where they're not going to go on this steep run. Because coming into this, I thought the Bucks were the favorites in the East. Like, I thought... In, if any type of toss-up with the Celtics, at least having home court advantage as a one seed could be the difference maker. But uh, without Giannis, that completely changes my mindset. Yeah, death taxes and Milwaukee losing the first playoff game of of the playoffs. True. Yeah, they, they lose the they lose the, the time, no matter what happens, like. they always lose the first game of the playoffs. Uh, this time, it's they have an actual good reason though. Like the first mm-hmm. first few times, it was just. A bad game like, for them, but yeah, this like time what, just they lost. Ready. They lost their best player, uh-huh. and see, this would be a series where, like I mentioned before, where 
uh, fixing the playoff format and making it best of five for the first round. This would be a series that would make it really intriguing after oh, yeah. one game. Uh-huh. Yeah, with I mean, with Miami, would be like in complete control right now. But you know, having the extended series gives Milwaukee much more of a chance to kind of get healthy and get back into it, which I expect. Mm-hmm. And um, all right, next series. So, Clippers Suns. You and I talked about this one last week. You th- said this is your most intriguing series coming into the playoffs, and my mindset was. Phoenix is so much better than the Clippers. Like, I get the Clippers have this really high ceiling, but I didn't believe in this team. Like, I've had reasons to not believe in them for years. Paul George, before the game was announced, probably out the entire series. We already knew he was going to be out to start things. And uh, I didn't know it'd be. I didn't know it'd be this long though. And the the Clippers, some way somehow, go into Phoenix, find a way to win. And what's amazing is that the hero of this game, Russell Westbrook, went three for nineteen. Three for floor. nineteen, but yeah, one the hero of the game. amazing but defensive he made, play. He made an impact on the defensive end and uh-huh. made a couple really nice plays, including the one where. He, I think he he like knocked it out of Booker's hands. Yep, and, and, and threw it back. Knocked at him. it off Booker yeah. out of bounds. Yep, and that was a really what ended this one was. Yeah, so, so he he's still the worst shooter ever, but he <laughs> definitely uh he, no he definitely made an impact. Definitely made some plays at the end of that game. And then Kawhi Leonard finally, it's about time. Yeah, right. It's been like four years now uh, since he's really been out there. No, he's obviously been out there. Um, but just yeah, it was, that, it was that two vintage Kawhi Leonard yep. in the playoffs, that, uh-huh. that that player that you fear. Like that's that's hadn't seen him in a while. Haven't seen that in a while. And that showed yesterday. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like the reminder that like, okay, you need to take the Clippers seriously because when Kawhi plays like he did in game one, the Clippers can be a finals contender. Probably still need Paul George, just given how loaded the West is, but it's a great sign. It's awesome to see Kawhi play. I think he's still one of the more universally beloved players. Like he's someone who I think that most people just don't really have problems with. He's easy to kind of make fun of with his demeanor and personality, but yeah, as a basketball player, he's someone who he's not controversial. He just goes out there when he's healthy. He plays really well, obviously going multiple seasons where he doesn't even step on the court because of an injury is a detractor. That pisses me off of Kawhi is that, uh, there are just times where he's just not out there. Long periods of time, he's not out there. Yeah, right. For, for because he missed all reason. of last season out covering from a torn ACL, and like his last season in San Antonio, he didn't play coming back from an injury before being traded to Toronto. So, but yeah, I mean, it's not that long ago that Kawhi was genuinely considered the best player in the league coming off that Finals MVP appearance with the Raptors, and we haven't seen this, like you said, vintage Kawhi performance in a while. So definitely cool be awesome to see him continue to do that on the yeah, flip so side. If you get that kind of performance out of Kawhi every game, the Clippers have a shot. But I absolutely I still agree that the Suns have way more talent, especially if Paul George mm-hmm. is not gonna even play a game in the series and Chris Paul didn't shoot very well. He only had seven points, but he still made a difference yeah. uh, uh, elsewhere. When you can't score he's still a double double. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's still making an impact, uh, even though it wasn't scoring wise. And then they just have way more talent. I'm look. Phoenix was getting back into that game, but kind of like Miami versus Milwaukee, the Clippers just kept making three after three. It's just like wow. Like, even though Phoenix is making plenty of shots, the the lead the lead kept uh, increasing because the Clippers couldn't miss in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. 
Yeah, and I mean, three-pointers are such a huge difference maker, as we see all the time in the NBA, especially today's game. First loss when Kevin Durant played. They were 8-0 and as the official stat. Now they're 8-1, and so we'll see what happens from here like i could certainly see phoenix uh kind of like looking at you know some of the other series there like milwaukee even you know um who else was i talking about golden state just okay we lost game one we need to get our act together let's go on a run now and they could win you know four in a row but it does feel like the clippers are a much more serious team than I had thought going into this, even without Paul George, like they showed they could win a game in Phoenix, uh, and this should be an entertaining series from here. Yeah. Um, last game, Nuggets 109 to rules 80. So I think that'll wrap oh, up our on. NBA playoffs. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't love Denver's chances of winning a championship, even even as a one seed, even having a two time MVP player in Jokic on their team, but. God, the, the, the Timberwolves just can't get it together at all. No. <laughs> no, I said Cleveland, New York was the least likely to be a sweep. This one feels like the most likely to be a sweep oh, after yeah, game one. Sure. I have no reason to think Minnesota. It's not even because of series. Denver. It's because Minnesota just, uh, I, I don't love that mesh at all. <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely have been one of the biggest disappointments of the season. And uh, not that they were gonna, like they're... Not that they were going to go all the way or anything, but I, I just thought... Even though I hated that trade with for for Gobert, like they they traded for an all star center. Yeah, no, I I thought they would at least improve this year and you know maybe make like things they're, interesting. They're they're but... arguably worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, the trade return it, it's already being considered one of the worst in NBA history, which is just incredible. I mean, it depends how those about. picks go, but. Yeah, it, yeah it of course that'll good. be the big thing in terms of the the actual talent that Utah got out of it. Uh, they've definitely. Uh, had reason to believe like even Walker Kessler alone might be better than Rudy Gobert especially when you just consider value like contract and stuff so um, yeah so I guess that's it in terms of our you know first round game one reactions so a week from now we'll see how things are, are looking but definitely excited for the NBA playoffs uh, I think with that we can move on to the Stanley Cup playoffs which puck drop on half of the games Monday night uh, right before we're recording so I've seen plenty of uh, Hurricanes jerseys walking around in my apartment complex as they're headed into PNC Arena for the first game I know you're excited about the Bruins starting tonight and I'm just left over here for the first time that I can remember uh, you know as a hockey fan not having the Penguins in the playoffs it's the first time in 17 years that they Will not be participating in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which definitely uh, puts a damper on my appreciation, excitement, whatever, for this postseason. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would love to just sit here and talk about what went down because that was a uh, really, really disappointing finish to the season and really just shocking looking back on everything. Because heading into the final two games of the season, all the Penguins had to do was win both of them. They were facing the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets, who were both not only two of the worst teams in the league, but if anything, they wanted to lose because they wanted as high lottery odds as possible to land the number one overall pick and draft Connor Bedard, who is supposed to be a generational talent. I guess I don't know if you can tell me how he compares to a guy like Connor McDavid. No, but... I'm, I, I, I can't. I, I love hockey. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not. I'm not an NHL scout. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not that. Now, 
I mean, I can't, I can't imagine like McDavid uh, comparisons, like because I remember the last player that was being compared to him was Lafreniere, Alexis Lafreniere, who and yeah. he's been fine, but he hasn't hasn't been, lived up to that kind of fight. No, he hasn't even come close to living up to that. So I guess that's my pause: is that McDavid is so good that anyone that gets compared to him, like I already like, like I don't, I don't care. <laughs> uh-huh. like I rather, yeah, I'd rather I guess, see it for myself. Uh-huh. Even if he's not a McDavid or Sidney Crosby or Alexander Hughes. Ovechkin. Yeah, like he's he's going to be the kind of guy. I think he'll be more than him just based on everything I've heard. The fact that I know Connor McDard's name and I've known Connor Bedard's name for over a year tells me that he's going to be something special in this right. league. Th- but yeah, when you hear when you hear a name for that long, like a year plus, like you know he's going to be the first overall pick and could make a you know be a real difference maker on a team. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Neither Chicago nor Columbus will have the highest odds in the lottery because both of them won their games against the Penguins. Blackhawks won 5-2 to two in Pittsburgh. Ultimately, Columbus beating Pittsburgh in overtime didn't really matter from a Penguins perspective because they were already eliminated going into Game 82. But just a really shocking finish that resulted in President of Hockey Operations Brian Burke, General Manager Ron Hextall, and Assistant GM Chris Pryor being fired on Friday morning after the season ended. And look, if you think that you're not good at your job, let me tell you, it is difficult to be more incompetent at your job than these three men were. And just to kind of, you know, put into perspective on this and what what transpired this season. Uh, So entering the off season, there were questions about what the Penguins would do with two of their three core pieces being unrestricted free agents, Crystal Tang and Genny Malkin, both older, mid to late 30s. Uh, a lot of questions about would they return in Pittsburgh? What would it take? Ultimately, they both signed below market deals, long term, spread out some of the money, lowers their AAV. To go along with Sidney Crosby, who's already on a below market deal because he's so obsessed with the number 87 that he signed an $8.7 million every year contract a decade ago. And uh, it, you know, it basically put these guys in position where they should be able to build a solid playoff contending, potentially even cup contending team around them. And I think some of the question marks around Crosby and Malkin and Latang is the injury history. In recent years, those guys have not been able to play uh, as, as many games as you'd like them to. Both Crosby and Malkin played 82 games this season. Sidney Crosby, 33 goals, 60 assists, 93 points. Malkin, 27 goals, 56 assists, 83 points. They're both point-per-game players. Beyond those two, uh, Chris Latang. He ended up missing 18 games this season due to both suffering a stroke and the death of his father. But when he wasn't dealing with those things, just from a pure physical ice hockey perspective, he was able to stay on the ice. 12 point, or twelve goals, 29 assists, 41 points as a defenseman. He was far and away the Penguins' best defenseman this season. Uh, beyond Crosby and Malkin, Jake Ensel. 36 goals. Ricard Raquel, 28 goals. Jason Zucker, 27 goals. Brian Russ, 20 goals. All six members of the Penguins' top six scored 20 or more goals. And just throwing out all the stats just now, you would think, okay, this team at least made the playoffs. It, they're probably a Stanley Cup contender, right? They didn't even make the playoffs at all. And to say that it's disappointing is such an understatement. Like This is legitimately one of the biggest failures of an organization in recent sports history 
Wow, that's the a, fact that that's they could not <laughs> they could not build around like when you have all of those guys performing like they did, staying on the ice. You know, they're healthy, they're not missing time, they're playing like that in those seasons, and to not be able to put together a third and fourth line, to not be able to have consistent, good enough goaltending, good enough defense to be able to make the playoffs. It's just an absolute disaster. All three of those guys deserve to be fired. Just some of the moves that they made in their short tenure in Pittsburgh just look absolutely horrible. Some from the beginning, uh, protecting Jeff Carter and Teddy Bluger in the expansion draft while letting Jared McCann and Brandon Tanev both go. Jared McCann scored 40 goals this season, got a big contract extension from the Seattle Kraken team that made the playoffs in year two as a franchise. Brandon Tanev, also a big bottom six member he would have been really good for a penguin team that had no bottom six to speak of jeff carter has always been a solid centerman and but he's definitely up there in age now and yeah now he is now, very now, much now it's up there in age it's really showing and not only did they protect him in the expansion draft but to justify protecting him sign him to a two-year six and a half million dollar extension and he immediately dropped off in terms of his play he's on the hook for next year they also gave him a no movement clause, so he can't be traded, he can't be released, he wow. can't be demoted, and if he retires, there's no cap savings. So the only way that the Penguins can get out of this contract is if he not only decides he wants to retire, but he wants to do the Penguins a solid and accepts a trade to a team just looking to acquire a contract to meet the salary cap floor. So that's one thing that the next GM is going to have to figure out. Jeff Petrie is another guy that the Penguins acquired this offseason, trading Mike Matheson, another 35 year old player he was okay as a defenseman but he has a big cap hit and entering next season and then really the trade that was the reason in my opinion why these guys are gone was acquiring michael granlin for the national predators five years ago he would have been an okay player to have at five million a year not this year he played 21 games with the penguins his final number is as a centerman one goal four assists five points in 21 games and Personally, even if he scored like that one goal was an overtime winner, I don't think it would have made up for the other 20 games. But just to you know, add a caveat that everyone keeps throwing out there, the one goal he scored was a fifth goal and a 5-1 to one win over the Flyers. So literally added no value. He's under contract for two more years at $5 million apiece. So whoever takes over is going to have their work cut out for them to be able to try to move some of these contracts, try to build around this team. Jason Zucker is, he's the only really major top free agent, but it feels like they have to find a way to bring him back. I know he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. We'll see if he does another similar below market deal to stay, but it was just an absolute disaster with it. This team played out going into the season. I didn't necessarily think they would, the Penguins be a Stanley cup contender, but I had plenty of reason to think they could still make the playoffs. And just given how well the top players played, the fact that they didn't make the playoffs because there was nothing after them of any type of substance is just absolutely embarrassing and good riddance to those three guys. Never want to see any of their faces again. And I just hope that whoever takes over <laughs> wow, is able to. Harsh. There, Do you put any blame horrible. on John, John Henry? Like how, or how much? Yeah, you, I mean, to an extent, Fenway Sports Group was not around with this team. Like, I don't know how much I can really blame it on John Henry because he did at least fire these guys and commit to clean house. We'll see how the new hire goes from here. But 
the ownership was absent, like to the point where it's like there's no way that these guys could stay after what happened. Yet none of us were convinced until we saw the official news because we we're like, does John Henry and Tom Werner even know the Penguins exist? Do they have any idea what's going on in Pittsburgh? <laughs> they were in the Winter Classic versus at, at Fenway versus the Bruins, so they got. They went to two games this year. And yeah, one of them was you, in Boston. You know that phrase, everything you touch turns to gold? What's what's Dude, the like, opposite? Because <laughs> uh, John Henry, if, I mean, how's Liverpool doing? I don't, <laughs> he They won the Premier League title a few years ago, but they have not been the same team since. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it is it is not uh, not good at the Fenway Sports Group. And yeah, the Penguins are the but, latest yeah, example. Yeah, the, the Penguins... I mean, you, you've already touched on it, but stating the obvious, after Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel, and then and, then, and Letang, uh, they are not, they did not get enough at all. And I remember, like, yeah, they after they lost to the Blackhawks, a team that's need that's needing to lose, while the Penguins team that was needing to win, they end up mm-hmm. losing and convincingly five to two. Yeah, five to two. Yeah. After that, I I said to you like. Yeah, I'd rather face Pittsburgh now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do not blame you at all for that sentiment. And it, it didn't matter because the Penguins at that point were effectively eliminated from the playoffs because the Islanders were not going to do the same thing and lose to a Montreal Canadiens team in a similar position with nothing to play for except for better lottery odds. So, uh, yeah, ultimately the Penguins were eliminated because of that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think moving forward, the next question is the coaching. It sounds like Mike Sullivan's going to be involved in the gm hire i've always been a big sully fan i mean when you win two stanley cups your first two years as head coach it's hard to not be a huge fan of him especially with how good this team has been given injuries to top players in recent years but there's also kind of the mike tomlin effect where it's like what have you really done lately you know you've been good enough to make us okay but we don't feel like a championship team anymore no matter how much success you have as a coach at some point you do have to turn the page I mean, I mean, some the players just tune you out. Yeah. Sometimes uh-huh. the mess, sometimes the message gets stale, and you need a new voice. Like no matter how yeah, good you I- are, no matter how successful, you, look at look at a uh, 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 Quenville at, for the Blackhawks. Like he oh, got yeah. let go uh, eventually by the Blackhawks because well, one they, that team got worse. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, like, since it was really just Taves and Kane, and and then and then like a bunch of scrubs. It was it was no longer that that dynasty that they had where like every line that they had was a stacked line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, but at the same time, the message it, you get, they get, you get tuned out by the players. And so that's why they end up letting him go. And then he got let it go for a much more serious reason. Yeah. Uh, it turned out <laughs> there was a lot more reason to let go of him than <laughs> yeah. uh, just performance. But yeah. And it, here's the thing. If the penguins, like obviously they were going to miss the playoffs eventually. If they miss the playoffs because Crosby and Malkin and Latang were no longer there, or at least no really longer got the players hurt, they yeah. used to be, yeah, then it's like one thing. But the fact that they had such great seasons, like, just feels like a, a huge letdown because you're probably not going to have that again. At their age, you're not going to see Crosby and Malkin. You're probably going to see neither of them play 82 games, let alone both of them, which is just, it's just astounding thinking about just this wasted opportunity this year. And I mean, the, the rest of the Eastern Conference, there are a lot of teams that are getting better. You know, we, we're going to talk about some of those teams coming up, but there's, uh, yeah, it's I don't feel great about the future of this team. I want to give Sullivan another year. I want to say that in a lot of ways, like he was basically just like, this team sucks. Like the GM is terrible. He built this roster that doesn't fit my style and I'm going to play these players and 
going to go down with the ship or make everyone realize you need to get rid of these clowns. And ultimately, they chose with the latter option there. But I do think Sullivan's under... He is entering the new season on the hot seat. And I think if things don't turn around you know, with reasonable roster reconstruction, then it would be time to find that new voice and see if uh, he can turn things around. So... That that's what I have on the Penguins for now. Oh, you know, that, that's have... that's all you had on the Penguins. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> know what? Joking. I won't have any <laughs> chances joking. to talk about them in the next two months <laughs> with them not in the playoffs. So, <laughs> I had to take advantage while I could. Oh, for sure. With that, yeah. yeah, let's move on to the actual playoff teams. And really, we can put a lot of focus on the Boston Bruins, not just because they're your team, but because they are, by all accounts, the greatest team in NHL history, at least in terms of points. In they terms of points, not by have players. More than anyone. <laughs> I, definitely, I mean, even players. They're like, definitely this better feels like teams. Like a loaded uh, roster. <laughs> like past Canadians teams, or uh, heck, if you want to do more present, how about like the Lightning? <laughs> from <laughs> like, yeah, it's, with, even just like yeah, the past few teams that not even just the one that had the most wins, but the one that also uh, you know won Stanley Cup two years in a row. So yeah, exactly. So even if you want to go more present, like how about them? Like they're they're even a team that. Like are, are probably better than this Bruins team, even though, the, like you said, the Bruins have broke the record for most points, um, and they are definitely a much better roster than past years and more equipped to win it all. They're still they're they're the greatest in terms of uh, points. points <laughs> I wouldn't in go wins, in terms of in wins. No one has more than sixty five wins, but. but they definitely have plenty of talent and are equipped definitely equipped to have a shot to win it this year for sure. Yeah, certain, certainly the favorites going into the postseason. I mean, I. I will be shocked if the Panthers can win a game against the Bruins. No, I, I pull off. I know. Upset. I know. I kind of wrote them off last week, but I, I I think the Panthers can win a game at, at least. Uh, maybe maybe make it maybe six games. Uh, because look, I know I know I said I'd rather play the Panthers than the Islanders just because I you know kind of like the heat of of in basketball, but with the Islanders in, in hockey where they know how to play grind out games and can you know frustrate the Bruins and we've seen in the past them winning a series with you know great defense well coached team and some skill uh, offensively and they were even missing some key players when they beat the Bruins uh, in that series so so I, I still would rather play the Panthers but the Panthers they do have more offensive talent like when they, they traded for Matthew Kachuk this offseason and a lot of people didn't like that trade, but I thought I thought it was a good trade for them because he provided more more goal upside than Huberdo, and he did. He, yeah, Huberdo he scored forty yeah, goals he was this year. More of an assist guy. So. And then and then Barkov is he's kind of like a younger Bergeron, where he's one of the best two ways two way centermen in the league. So they definitely have a decent amount of talent on their team. I still would take the Bruins. Don't get me wrong, but and maybe it's just the it's more of a Bruins thing for me. Just being the Bruins fan <laughs> yeah, know, uh, that that just knows how to fail in the postseason time after time. And so, I think that's an interesting way to put it because I feel like the bias in this situation would be not being a Bruins fan because then he was not a Bruins fan. It's like, oh, how could they possibly yeah. lose? Like they're the best team, but then you're like, well, yeah, they, I've they, seen this team come up short time and time year. again. They've been, they've been a total uh, force, but you just if again, I said this in the past that if you aren't, if you don't expect heartbreak, you're not a real Bruins fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So of course, like those are the expectations just based on you know PTSD and everything. But realistically, I guess what what would be your expectations? Just say looking at what this team accomplished this season. Like, are you 
going into it being like, yeah, this team should win the Stanley Cup? Or do you still have reservations for any reason beyond just past disappointment? I think they should win the Stanley Cup, but there are a decent amount of good teams in the playoffs, of course. And it's not like basketball where there's only a few teams that have a real shot of winning. In hockey, it's the complete opposite. We've seen eight seeds win it all. Uh, it it can totally change for one team. And uh, just look at a few years ago, the Lightning. They had by they were by far and away the best team, and they didn't even win a single game in the postseason. They got yeah, losing by, to just a random Columbus, Columbus out of nowhere. Team. So uh-huh. so yeah, like I I could ease. So I do think that they should, and they are my pick to win it all. You know, there's some bias in that. I'm typically the opposite when it comes to the Bruins. Like I'm not a homer with them. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the opposite where I always expect the worst, but they've been so, so good this year that like, I, I feel like it really is their time uh, to win it. Uh, yeah, but I will I guess... say that there are definitely some concerns though. It's it, coming into tonight because there's a, uh, multiple players are sick like Bergeron and oh Omar. really yeah they're game time decisions. That's not a joke either. Because of illnesses. Yeah. Because okay. of illnesses and, and Bergeron, he was, they ruled him out. So for whatever reason, even though they broke the record in game 81, they played a lot of their starters, if not all of them, in game 82 in a completely 100% meaningless game. And Bergeron played, and he got hurt, and he was out for per- precautionary reasons. But mm-hmm. I still expect him to play. He played with car crash injuries in that 2013 Stanley Cup where like he had like a punctured lung and uh, bruised... Rip, broken ribs or just just some absurd amount of injuries he had in that series and so I, I expect him to play but it's always a concern with with the Bruins uh especially with him and and his health Olmark is playing the yeah Bruins Olmark is more optimistic they, uh, they tweeted a video saying Linus leads so yeah. I assume he's not showing up in his goaltending gear just to be Olm- like I have the flu see Olmark but. had more positive reports but he also got hurt uh, in 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 the the game versus Washington, in the middle of the third period, he he like I don't know what he heard exactly, but he had to leave the game. Like so, it was serious enough where he had to leave, and Swayman had to take over for the rest of the the rest of the game. And so yeah, even though they're they're winning all these games, there are some concerns heading into the postseason because of some injuries and health concerns already. Um, All right. I guess that you know that maybe changes my thought on this a little. I guess from like a Panthers thing, it's just this team. The past couple seasons, I've seen them be completely outplayed by the Tampa Bay yeah, Lightning. Yeah, that, that's so. that's the thing with Florida for me is that they definitely have some talent, like I mentioned already, and, and there are other players that that are really good as well. But uh, yeah, it's just when it comes to Florida, like I've seen multiple times versus Tampa and that they just completely fold and and I don't expect that I expect them to make to put up a better fight than they have against the Lightning maybe it's just a complete mismatch with them or they don't know how to play that team that well but uh, I still expect the Bruins to win the series yeah and I guess beyond this point who would you consider the biggest threat? Like, who's a team that you're the most concerned about? You know, I guess starting within the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for the East, I've always been really high on the Rangers. And for whatever reason, every time the Rangers and Bruins play each other, the Rangers don't really... They don't play that well versus Bruins, though, which is just odd to me because they have so much talent uh, from top to bottom. They have... 
they have the Norris Trophy winner or past one, and they had the most recent uh, Vesna winner as well. So they mm-hmm. they're and they have so much offensive talent. They added Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko, who were the two best players on the the two teams that beat the Bruins in 2013. Oh, Patrick, true. Patrick yeah. Kane was the Conn Smythe winner, and then 2019. Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't the Conn Smythe winner. It definitely should have gone to O'Reilly, which it did, but Vladimir Tarasenko was their most skilled offensive player on that team, too. So, like, yeah, that yeah, concerns me. You got two of the best offensive players from those teams that beat the Bruins. Now, I don't think <laughs> uh, they're as good as they were those years, but they're still they're still legit players. And mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, and, and then, they don't and have that, to be then, the best player on this yeah, team. Yeah, and, and, and I didn't even add that... The fact that they have Zabenejad, Kreider, Panarin, like they have so many good players on mm-hmm. that team, and for whatever reason, they Fox. don't play the Bruins that well. But I, I just think that if they, if it comes together, that I still, I have them in the East Finals versus Boston. Um, yeah, so I decided to fill out a bracket just to give myself some reason to care. Right. Uh, I also have the Rangers and the Bruins in the East Finals. I picked New York as a, I'm competing against the world. I feel like the only way I can win this is if a team that isn't the Bruins wins. Right. But I would still think that Boston should win that series. And to me, I think the two biggest threats would be both New York teams simply because of the goaltending. Igor Shosturkin, Ilya Sorokin. Olmark was statistically the best goalie in the se- in the league this season, but I think those two, talent-wise, just like they're, they're MVP candidates in back-to-back seasons as Vezina, you know, Vezina Trophy winners, in addition to uh, potentially being Hart Trophy winners. Like they are capable when they're at their best of leading a team on a run, and I think that would be the kind of thing that would stop the Bruins. I don't think that they're going to lose to a team with just average goaltending. It would have to take someone, and I think those two are teams that I'd be most, you know, it, in favor of. Uh, you know, their goalies doing what it takes to to pull out series victories. So yeah, I I definitely like the, the Islanders. They don't have nearly as much talent, but for whatever reason, they they. They they make the most of what for what they have. Yeah, and I mean and, Sorokin and, is the biggest reason why they're in the playoffs. So. Yeah, that too. And goal, goaltending definitely. If you get if you get a hot goaltender, you you definitely mm-hmm. have a shot of winning. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that to me is like the biggest. I, thing I, I have the, the Islanders Bruins. over the Hurricanes as well. I maybe. do I'm as well. And, and you might think that's uh, an anti Carolina thing for me. Maybe that that's part of it, but I do think they're a better team than that than they were in past years, but. You know they lost Savechnikov for the year. Mm-hmm. He was one yep, of their best yep, that's players. A huge I think injury. that's a big loss for them. And uh, I, like you said, you're competing against the world. Like I gotta, I gotta have some sort of upset uh, mm-hmm. in my bracket. If if I'm picking the Bruins, who are probably like, yeah. like uh-huh. half of everyone's brackets is like right. the winner. <laughs> So. Yeah, no, and I I agree. I for me, it, it's a combination of pro New York, um, but also just anti Carolina. And it's not necessarily that I hate the Hurricanes or anything, but I live across the street from the arena. Whenever there are games, my apartment complex gets flooded with people parking here to save money as opposed to parking at the arena, and it sucks. <laughs> and it I hate it, and I can't wait for them to be eliminated and have their season be over, so I no longer have to deal with that. <laughs> So if there's any tiebreaker in terms of whether I would root for or against the Hurricanes, it is completely based around where I live in comparison to the arena. And I'm not going to go to a game, like obviously not tonight, but I'm not going to go to a Wednesday night game, pay a hundred something bucks to see two teams that I don't care about. 
So I don't even get that advantage of living close to the arena at this point. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I, I hope that they lose. And then a New York, New York, yeah, New York, second New York round series would be, would be a, a cool, ton of fun. Would be a cool yeah. matchup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Rangers going through the Devils in New Jersey, the Islanders in New York, and then the Bruins in Boston. Like from like a, like that playoff path, like rivalries and like cities and location, like you can't beat it. So, no. but. We'll see. Um, I did pick the Hurricanes entering the season to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. I was like trying to think in my head. I was like, I didn't pick the Rangers. Like, who would I have picked? And I was like, I definitely said Carolina. I love their moves in the offseason. I don't love them as much now. Uh, Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta were also both very good goalies this season. But I still have questions about their, their goaltending being able to you know carry them on a sustainable run especially just yeah, looking I, at some of the other guys they'd have to go through i've seen freddie anderson fail enough times with toronto right. that uh, i don't i don't i don't view him as a a threat no i feel the same way um uh, i guess just talking about the western conference so i think that there are a handful of teams that stand out to me uh the first one that's worth talking about the defending champs colorado avalanche they struggled for most of the season pretty early on they're always within playoff contention but they were far from a guarantee to really be anything but they end up winning the central division it feels like they're entering the playoffs on a strong note so yeah I guess, I, I, what do you... colorado i i still think they're a, definitely a threat i still think that they're great i don't love them as much as last year which is easy to say because they won it all last year but, <laughs> yeah uh-huh. but I'm I'm a little concerned, yeah, because for a lot of the year they didn't play up to their best, and Gabriel Landeskog, it sounds like he's not going to be in the playoffs at all, which which would be like, a huge. He's loss. not McKinnon, or it's not like losing McKinnon, McCarr, or Rantanen, but but it's to, to lose your captain for the playoffs yeah. is uh-huh. a concern. So yes, uh, that uh-huh. that worries me a little bit for them. They still have a decent amount of talent, though. Um, I I. But I don't love them as much as last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with that. I think last year they were the far away favorites entering the playoffs, and they got it done. I don't know that they have it in them. I think that they'll make it out of the Central Division just looking at the other teams in the playoffs here. Like, I have just more reason to doubt Dallas and Minnesota and um, Seattle than to buy in or to the idea of Colorado getting upset. But... Uh, I do think like whoever makes out of the Pacific division, particularly one of two teams would be my pick to go to the Stanley Cup finals uh, between Vegas and Edmonton, who I know you and I, you had Vegas, I had Edmonton going into the season. Are you still feeling high yeah, on the Golden I, Knights? I still, I still feel that way where a Vegas Boston series uh, final would be really intriguing with Cassidy uh, yep. on the you know, coaching the Golden Knights, of course, uh, after yep. letting him go. A year after being fired. Yeah, and then they just happen, if those two teams just happen to be meeting each other in the finals, and I do have, again, do have that as a finals matchup, I just think that'd be incredible theater. And, yeah, I still, I'm still pretty high on Vegas. Um, you know, they're getting Mark Stone back. He's a, he's a force on both ends, and they have plenty of talent, and, it just hasn't come together like after that first year, that first magical run that they had, where mm-hmm. they didn't really have. They were an expansion team, like they. Yeah. For them to make uh, the finals that year just, it was incredible. One of the like, most improbable stories ever and in then sports. Now they're a legit team with plenty of talent, and for whatever reason, they can't get 
they can't make the finals. They they've made it. They to couldn't the West even finals make the playoffs again. last year. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they didn't even make the. Playoffs, yeah, I mean that's so. the one thing where I look at the Penguins is like, all right, the Golden Knights were they were that team last year who just barely missed the playoffs. Like, how did this happen? Like, Eichel and now didn't they really finished play. with the best record in the West. Yeah, I think that was injury, a big part so, of it. So I, I guess uh-huh. that's part of it. But yeah, I still think if Vegas is going to break through uh, and and compete for a title again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I could certainly see it happening. I'm sticking with the Oilers, yeah, uh, for, especially we, Connor McDavid's going to win MVP. Leon Drysaddle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, all three of them had a hundred points. First time that's happened since Mario Lemieux, Ron Francis, and Yarmir Yager in '95, '96 with the Penguins. So, just and then, and, incredible and, season for those three guys. Yeah, and then Hyman has been a good uh, winger on their team, and then Evander Kane hasn't gotten any trouble at least yet. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so uh, that's good for them as well. Uh yeah, well, for for me it's just, it's always the same thing with Edmonton. You're like, yes, McDavid and Drysaddle are amazing, uh, especially McDavid. But like the defense and goaltending is always mm-hmm. a question. Uh, yeah, I I agree. Which is I, why well, I, I never, I don't, I never love so, Edmonton. <laughs> this year, the goaltending is just it's a question mark. Not in the sense of like, all right, we know this guy sucks. We don't know about him. Uh, Stuart Skinner is yeah, that his I, name? Yeah, I watched that Bruins Oilers game <laughs> a couple months ago or whatever. Yeah, when I, Edmonton won in Boston. No, but right? or, or Boston. No, but the Bruins won. Oh, when when they won in Edmonton. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, it's true. There were two games. Duh. I, I was talking about uh, the one in Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where McDavid was a one man wrecking crew, and yeah, Stuart Skinner. I don't. I don't know. He's Mike Smith was awful though, so yeah, I guess he he's was, better than him. Mike Smith was uh, terrible. He was so bad. So. so that that I guess that'd be the one thing I would have confidence in. Uh, you know, kind of like the Bruins. Like, oh, at least we don't have Tuca. <laughs> the, yeah, right. The, oh, I know. It was a sixty-five win team, and and uh, and Tuca, Tuca was still was their goalie. goalie. You're like, like oh, oh just would, waiting for him to, to oh, do yeah, something it horrible. Would be, it would easily be like put my, all my money on not the Bruins, <laughs> whoever that uh-huh. team is. <laughs> I I can tell you that I think it would be awesome if the Bruins get rid of Rask and immediately they're the best team in NHL history with the best goalie in the league and they win the Stanley Cup. And it's like, all right, I feel vindicated about my Tuca takes from 10 to 15 years ago holding up. <laughs> 10 years ago, When, when he left the bubble, I was think, I was I didn't think they were going to go all the way, but just the thought of it, I'm like, huh, what if they went all the way and it was... Uh-huh. And it was Halak that led them and not not Rask. <laughs> that would have been a stupid. Yeah, oh, again, yeah. I would love it. So uh I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I'm I'm going with Edmonton, I guess. I mean, I picked Edmonton over the right. Rangers. I I I think if it's Edmonton Boston, it would be the Bruins. I think the Oilers' best chance would be avoiding the Bruins. I think if the Bruins make it to the Stanley Cup finals, like then they got through enough teams that I think it's just they're gonna close it out. But well, I don't, uh, I, yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know about that. I know, I know you don't so think easy. that like, again. No, I know, must, I don't want to. Yeah, must do I get it. in my lifetime now. Uh-huh. Uh, Which is yeah, yeah, that's a fair way to look at it. But if, uh, if they played, well, if they play anyone, I'll be nervous. But if it's uh-huh. especially Vegas or Colorado, then I'll. Those would be the two. Those yeah. would be the two, for sure. That would worry me the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's a fair way to look at it. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, we haven't seen a Canadian team win a Stanley Cup in. 30 years now so i don't know if that means that we're finally due or if we're just gonna continue to have it happen i guess just like talking about canadian teams uh we haven't mentioned toronto or tampa potential oh, second round matchups <laughs> <laughs> L- 
the, Toronto did add uh, Ryan O'Reilly, like I mentioned with him with the Blues when they won it all. He was as good as it gets. So that th- that would worry me if 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 Toronto gets past Tampa. I think they have some shot just because I think Tampa, like they've been so good these past few years, but there's they're showing some I mean, for good reason. They're showing some signs of 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 uh of dropping a little. Like they're not uh, as dominant as past years. Yeah. Uh, and then Toronto, they've added a little bit more offensively, so. I don't think it's impossible for Toronto to to win this series. They definitely have a shot. It's just that and it's the, just this thing with Toronto where like they always find a way to blow yep. it. And another thing is they they like Tampa, the Sixers. Tampa, yeah, <laughs> they always Tampa always has the goaltending advantage and like clear goaltending advantage. Like they have the best goalie in the league. Yeah, I know. I realize I talk about all these goalies and didn't even mention Vasilevsky. And I think part of it is I do think that this is finally year that Toronto gets over the hump, I can gets see out it, of the yeah. first round it, and beats Tampa, but. Like I'm still picking Tampa, but uh, it like again like because Tampa's dropping a little and Toronto is a little on the rise. I I think I think they, I think Toronto definitely has a shot. I think it goes seven again. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's when it's at home for Toronto, like they always find a way to blow it. Yeah, I mean we we see it time and time again, and I don't know. I always convince myself that oh, this is the final year the Maple Leafs get out of the first round, and it just does not happen. I so. guess another reason why I'm picking Tampa is like, who would I rather face, or or excuse me, not face, and <laughs> and I'd rather not face, I'd rather face Toronto. Yeah, I is here like again, just like pessimistic, exactly. thinking well, Tampa's gonna win. I I totally agree with that, and I think. You can make the argument that the Maple Leafs are the better team here, but just history, that's all you need. Team yeah. that's been in the Stanley Cup three years in a row, team who hasn't made it out of the first round in 20 years now, is it's, it? It's been Whatever. That long? Oh, my God. Wow. I don't know. I think it has, right? <laughs> I, maybe, I don't think it's happened in our lifetime. Maybe a decade ago, yeah. Or at least in, I, don't, well, I don't. If it has in, happened in our lifetime, it's been. It was 2004 before the lockout they did. I don't know if they have since. Oh, okay. The I don't. I didn't remember that year that well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Outside of like who won it, yeah, and that was the lightning. So we'll see. Um, but all right, I guess yeah, we'll we'll continue to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, I'll do my best to pay attention and be able to contribute to no, it just I, as much I, I as I totally the NBA, understand. <laughs> if you don't, uh, so let's uh, get ready to wrap this up so you can watch your game. Just a couple NFL notes. Uh, two relatively big stories, both within the NFC East. First one: Jalen Hurts. Five years, $255 million extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. At least for now, he is the highest paid player in NFL history. $179 million guaranteed. I think there are a lot of directions we can kind of go with this. But the way I'm looking at it is Philly had to pay him. Philly went to the Super Bowl with him. Philly had a loaded roster around him making second round pick money. I have my doubts about how they can continue to be a Super Bowl contender. But Hurts could certainly make a huge leap. I think he's a very good quarterback. I just have a lot of questions about him, you know, being this type of player who deserves to be paid this kind of money just off this one season where he was a really good player on a loaded roster. Yeah, obviously the roster around him like had was at its best after adding AJ Brown totally changed their offense. And drafting Devonte a couple years ago, and uh, yeah, and they have like the be- they have the best offensive line. offensive line in the league. So uh-huh. yeah, there's definitely a, lo- a lot around 
Jalen Hurts. I, I I thought he was so impressive last year, and then even in the Super Bowl, because uh, there are definitely some passes. Well, the AJ Brown one, that that deep pass, that one kind of hung in there a little bit too long, and that was more of a good play by by AJ Brown. I, other than that, he was pretty flawless. He he was as good as it gets on a losing team. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was amazing in the Super Bowl. Like he, him and Brady in Super like, Bowl Fifty Two are like uh, as good as it gets. Uh, on the yeah, losing three end of t- it. three rushing touchdowns in the yeah. game. Like he he's a great player. He's a unique talent. I think he's someone who can continue to be a really good quarterback. I just I don't know. I think it's part of it is just the fact that it, I see it's only a team one year, that was, small sample size. Yeah, right. And I like know like how good the team was around him. That it's like I I don't want to downplay Jalen Hurts to the point of saying oh he's going to be like Carson Watts and that's how this is going to go. But I also I. I'm curious you to don't see think it's a first how sure this thing team like does. Mahomes or Allen. Yes, or that's Burrow. basically the way. And, and even is even with Josh Allen, what has he done in terms of playoff success? Like maybe that'll be the thing with Hurts. Is like okay, they're going to make sacrifices at other por- parts of the roster. I have my doubts about Buffalo heading into the season now that Allen's contract is going up. Given that they really haven't done a whole lot, one AFC Championship game appearance. You know, the Eagles at least got to the Super Bowl. Hurts put on a show in that game. I just have my questions about whether or not this team is going to continue to be as loaded around him. Lane Johnson is about to retire, probably. Jason Kelsey is about to retire. Yeah, Yeah, like they have like reason to believe that this team is going to take a step back potentially because the roster is not going to be as great. And then I don't know. It's like I I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's a good player. Like by all accounts, he's just a world class human being. Just everything that happened with Alabama, transferring to Oklahoma, you know, what he does. Like, I want to root for him. I'm just looking at it like I'll f- it feels I feel better about paying guys who are like slightly more established and have done well without all this talent around them. Because we saw how bad he looked a year ago, like a year ago or like in 2021. We, there were talks about them trading for Russell Wilson or Sean Watson. And then when they traded their first round pick to the Saints, the idea was, oh, they're putting themselves in a good position to draft a quarterback in 2024. And now here we are. I'll fully admit, like, that's, that's like not even in my mind. Like what's in my mind is him killing it last year. <laughs> yeah, no, and I totally get it. I get it. Like when you just look at that, he was the what MVP runner up to Patrick Mahomes this year. So I understand it from that perspective. I just kind of look at it and be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not looking at it in the same way as like Kyler Murray is like, oh yeah, that's going to go yeah, horribly. I, I, the Kyler but, Murray one, I was like, oh, this, this one sucks. Like, all right, I'm, uh-huh. I don't like this one at all. I guess I, I'm more in favor of it. I'll fully admit partially because I I like Jalen Hurts. He's a likable player. Yeah, I, I get it. I, yeah, I feel and happy I, for him. I just think, you know, once the Eagles, like, really put it together around him, we got to see what Jalen Hurts could be. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that can continue. But like you said, at the same time, there are a couple pieces on their offensive line that are near the end of their careers, like as good as their mm-hmm. offensive line is. Like, who knows? who knows how good it can still be if... If yeah, in terms lose. of replacing those guys. And yeah, in terms everything. of replacing Kelsey and Lane Johnson and, and who mm-hmm. else. Yeah, and that's just like my one concern when I look at this situation. And I still think Hurts can be a very good quarterback, but I, I think that their Super Bowl window, I, I just have my doubts about it extending into the point when his cap hit goes from a few million to 45 million. So... That's that just kind sense. of the way I'm looking at it. But again, they're in an arms race. They were competing with Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert in terms of their contract extensions. So the Eagles getting on top of it, getting this deal done now, I think is better than had they waited. So yeah, n- definitely thing, understand. Nothing about the Eagles is 
is that they have they had the they had the like GM of the year. <laughs> like he, he's, yeah, he's been. Uh, and they their fans wanted to fire him like a year before that. So and kind of like Sweeney. <laughs> Uh, with the Bruins. Yeah, no, Harry Roseman, like he every now and it's like when he's able to build teams around low contract value quarterbacks, he's no one is better. Uh just seeing what he's able to do with Carson Wentz in those early years and then, you know, this past season with Jalen Hurts. But we also saw how things were in the middle when Wentz was being paid a ton of money to not be a great quarterback. I don't again, I don't think Hurts would be that bad by any stretch of the imagination, but they're also going to have to replace pieces on both sides of the ball because they won't be able to afford them. And some of them are just not going to be in the league anymore. So that's just the one thing I have here. I I fully get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it just comes down to this whole idea that teams are in the best position to win a Super Bowl when their quarterback is not making a ton of money, which can somewhat be debunked when you have like generational hall of fame bound players. But there we've seen a lot of teams be really successful with like you know these second third year quarterbacks who everything clicks and the rosters around them they're able to divert resources to other positions so i get but, it yeah we'll see i mean i i could definitely sound like an idiot in a couple of years when hurts is continuing to light it up and you know winning a super bowl finally for the eagles but uh, the other news involving you know the NFC East that feels big uh, in the NFL is Dan Snyder seems to be on his way out as owner of the Washington Commanders, a team led by Josh Harris, uh, owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, New Jersey Devils, also uh, teamed up with Magic Johnson, are reportedly in agreement to buy this team, Washington Commanders, for $6.05 billion, and I feel like this is a situation where it's hard not to feel like happy for Washington, just given how horrible Dan Snyder is. Just not even just as an incompetent owner, just, but he just, just seems a like person. a really bad dude. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when it comes to this news, it's it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers thing, uh, Aaron Rodgers trade news, where like it's out there and it's probably going to happen, or like it is happening. But like I won't. I want it to, you know, just be done through. You know Uh what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally understand that. Where it's like, okay, there's a deal in place. It's going to happen, but they, it's still not final. It's a non-exclusive. Like it it sounds like they're advancing in the stages, but this, it's still not a hundred percent guaranteed that this is going to happen. Exactly. My point on how, like, (laughs) it's just annoying to me. Like I, I I want to, I want to see on the TV, this guy is gone and this guy is, magic whoever is here <laughs> taking over uh-huh. i want it to actually uh, not this slow process that takes months and months like no make it happen now yeah and it, i mean it, it makes sense in terms of transferring of billions of dollars of assets that's going to take sure, a little sure. while but <laughs> it's not as easy as yeah, like all right easy here's the keys for me to say. I get time it. time just, to you know give me the money i'm going a, to this dan snyder <laughs> thing has happened for years like yeah. when is this guy oh, gonna be gone it's like all these uh-huh. awful things that come out it's just God, like, get out already. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I'm I'm excited about this kind of being over with. So it's like one last thing to talk about. Um, in terms of Dan Snyder's Washington tenure, when he bought the then Redskins in 1999 for $800 million, they had won three Super Bowls, including just at least one in the decade previously. Uh, in that time, he's won a total of two playoff games, has not even made an NFC championship game. So, nice. yeah, very big disaster uh, with how that team has played out. So 
hard to imagine that this new group is not going to be significantly better. Oh, come on, Washington is <laughs> setting the bar really low. Yeah, they, they, they're probably the least uh, like likable teams and out there. Or, I mean, like, what's the most likable thing about the Washington uh, Redskins football team, Commanders, whatever you want to call them? Is like what, like Kirk or Taylor Heineke? Like why? Yeah, I mean, three I, for a year. Like what? What? Like I don't know. Just what. they. Yeah. No, you're right. There is not a whole lot about this team, and I. I think I don't know if that's significantly going to change. I could certainly see them becoming one of the more hated teams. You look at the rest of that division. It feels like the NFC East. It's they're just hateable teams and hateable Northeast cities. And Washington is one where it's like, well, we don't like them because of their name, but they're five and eleven. Yeah, like so their, who cares? Their name, their owner, their stadium. Yeah, oh, their stadium almost killed Jalen Hurts. Before he could make this big <laughs> <Right> deal, <that> too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, no, I think that this, in theory, would be a good thing for that franchise. It could also be a bad thing for the rest of the NFL, just having a bad owner potentially being replaced by a good one. But uh, definitely some big news there. So you know, hopefully, like you said, only a matter of time before everything's final, and now Washington football fans can just complain about the team on the field, and you know, the owner is no longer the scapegoat. So, um, and I, I know like there are plenty of fan bases out there who hope that their team owner is the next one to sell and I'll leave it at that. So anyway, that'll do it for this one. Um, like I said, we'll have more NBA playoffs, more Stanley cup playoffs, NFL draft is coming up soon. Certainly a lot to talk about with that one. Um, and you know, we'll have more, more fun content coming your way soon. So yeah, can't wait for can't wait for the draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun fun couple months here. So, but all right, for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corner Thanks everyone. <laughs>